0: All right, Fitzy, so last night, Iowa State's basketball season gets underway. 110 to 74 win over the Mississippi State, Mississippi Valley State, Delta Devils. I'm taking a little heat today. I wrote that I thought the Delta Devils were the worst team I'd ever seen in Hill and Coliseum. Mm -hmm. I don't regret these words. I still stand by my statement. Maybe I went in a little too guns a blazing.
1: I can't disagree with you. Uh, you know, watching from my corner seat in the balcony, I think that they, their only good offense, like their only good offensive approach was having the big guy chuck from the top of the key. <laughs> and he made a few three-pointers. Yeah, Beyond, beyond that, like it was, it was just pretty, you know, scrappy, ugly kind of basketball for them.
0: Well, and I said on the, I was on the radio, on KMA Radio in Shenandoah today. I wasn't in Shenandoah, I was on the phone. But we had talked to the, last week when I was on, about how Mississippi Valley State was rated as the worst team in college basketball by Ken Pom. Yep. I said this week, I'm not sure that 353 is low enough
1: to rate that team. I'm sure like half of Division two teams are probably better than they are, to be honest. Oh, I'm,
0: I can almost guarantee that the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, the defending national champions yeah. in Division two, would put a hurting down
1: on mississippi valley state didn't they take duke to the brink essentially they did an exhibition yeah game? i
0: think that they came f- like five points away from beating duke they've actually they pushed duke a couple times because mm-hmm. for some reason duke has this thing where they play the division two national champion yeah every year
1: so that's actually really cool
0: they've gone to play them a couple times in in cameron indoor but they they came close to beating them this year
1: yeah and duke ended up winning their champions uh classic game last night as well
0: yeah they yeah they did against the uh the old the, Kansas Jayhawks the Kansas Jayhawks probably shouldn't have won no I, mean, I think kansas maybe handed that one to them a little bit kansas, on the back of
1: what 28 turnovers
0: i would say i think yeah 28 26 turnovers whatever it was one of those two. a lot of turnovers
1: yes uh, too many turnovers i would
0: say that, yeah i would say that that's probably safe to say like i said i think that they kind of handed that one to the the blue devils a little bit but yeah.
1: but so. to kansas's credit though man to be in the game late like they were and have that many turnovers kind of says a lot about how good they could be
0: I'm not sure if it says more about them or if it says more about Duke. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, it could say a lot about Kansas that they turned the ball over 26 times. And I didn't and watch it. And they the were game. still able to be in the game. I watched
1: the very end of it.
2: Yeah.
0: But it could also say a lot about Duke that Duke's just really good. Well, no, it could be that they're really bad.
1: Oh. Or not that good. I mean, it could I mean, it could be that they forced a lot of those turnovers too.
0: I uh, yeah, I I haven't watched the game, you know. Yeah. But it, for them to have 20 to have 26 turnovers given to them and win the game by two, there's some, you got to take some pause, I think. And I don't know that that, I mean, I would assume that Kansas is not going to turn the ball over 26 times. Yeah. Very often. How many times did they turn it over in Hilton last year? 21? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. So I would imagine that they're not going to do that that often. I don't think that their guard play is very high level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, transfer saving... Uh, Isaiah Moss was out.
2: Yeah,
0: he did not play with a hamstring injury. But I I still have some questions about the Jayhawks. This is completely beside the point. It <laughs> has nothing to do with anything right now. Uh, but, it, yeah, you mentioned Mississippi Valley State. Their their offense in the game was throwing it back to uh, Richard Rivers, I think his name was, the 6'11", 280-pound yep. center. And for him to fire the three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Fair. You know, I mean,
1: I mean, it was working half the time.
0: I will say, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy who's 6'11 and weighs 280 pounds that wants to stand out at the three point line the entire game. Yeah. I don't know that he ever even hardly got below the free throw line.
1: No, he didn't. And I think it was partially because he was just so winded otherwise, you know?
0: The only guy I've ever seen. Even come close to anything like that, and I know that he's not listening, so I'm gonna take this shot. It's my guy Leif, my you know my buddy, uh, my best friend from from Simpson, who's my roommate. He was he was not six eleven, but he was six seven in weight. About well, I guess our freshman year, he would lost a bunch of weight. He was probably about two fifty. Mm. He didn't get below the <laughs> three point line
1: sometimes. Well, if you ask him, he if you ask him why, it's probably because he just say he didn't have to run as far if you only go to the three point line.
0: No, if I asked him why, it would because it would be because he says that he has a wet ball. You know, <laughs> that
1: he'd just be out there splashing it. And, and so he, and was he splashing it like all the time or was it, was it an on I, and off thing?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd have to look it up. You yeah. know, it, it, I can tell you this between me and him, I know who has the higher career three point percentage in, in, at the collegiate level. And mm. it's not him shots fired. He took a lot more shots than I did. You know, this was be, one for one. This will
1: end up being the one episode of stands and fits that he ends up listening to.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'll have to tell him that, he can come on and defend himself
2: yeah. at some
1: point. Uh, yeah, gosh, I thought I keep going way off the track. But well, I remember it, back in the early days of stands and fits. Remember we, we, we tried with Leif. We could do it now. See, we, that's that's true. We, yeah. We, we could, we uh, could
0: have Leif on now.
1: Yeah. So anyways, I, I follow him on Twitter, so I'll see him reply to you if he does. Yeah. I, I don't think he'll listen. I'd probably have to tell him to listen. Mm. He
0: listens to like Joe Rogan. And if you listen to Joe Rogan, pretty much all of your time is consumed by
1: listening to Joe Rogan.
0: Yeah. Cause those podcasts are like three hours long.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They just ramble on and on like the the Edward Snowden one. Holy crap, dude.
0: Well, I I listened to the one. I listened to part of the one that he did with Alex Jones Mm -hmm. and we got like, I got like an hour in and I'm sitting there just like, man, this is messing me up. (laughs) I can't even imagine how, how messed up this gets like an hour two and into the two and a half hour mark or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I fell asleep with Chris. We were on the way back from Tulsa. He was listening to the Ron White one. Yeah, And he was just blown away that I could fall asleep listening to this. And I was like, dude, we've been listening to Ron White tell jokes for like two hours. <laughs> it's and, always, and they just it's, get progressively drunker and progressively yeah. more stoned. And the things just become more and more incoherent. It's like white noise eventually. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know what you expected from me. But it was the, the thing I will give Mississippi Valley State. And I have never seen this before. They had 14 guys on their roster. Mm-hmm. 11 of them were new. Oh, really? And eight of them were freshmen.
1: Wow. Well, that says a lot. Yeah. Because they, they were not good. No. But to credit Iowa State, I do think uh, the way their offense operated last night, I was encouraged because it seemed like they really spread the ball out, uh, you know, drived and kicked, got out a lot in transition. Obviously, they forced a lot of turnovers. Um, so at least the part of that they could control, they did well, I thought.
0: Yeah, and I think that you saw some things from Iowa State that you can project out, that we can know. You know, and they're really more like affirming things that we were thinking going into the season. You know, one of the ones that really stuck out to me was the ball pressure that they are able to apply with their two smaller guards in Bolton and Prentice Nixon. Uh, Prentice Nixon, on the defensive end, I would just describe as a pest. Yes. He's so low to the ground, and he's able to get up in on people and make them uncomfortable in that way. And then he's really good at when someone tries to drive into the, you know, finds a driving lane, he's able to close it and then scoop the ball away. Mm -hmm. That's something I think he's going to be really good at this season. He's, I think he's going to do a good job even when he's outsized, unless teams start to take him down in the post, which wouldn't shock me at all. If, especially in big 12 play, people try to do that to him and Bolton, Mm -hmm. uh, I think he will be able to make some of the bigger guards in the Big 12 uncomfortable just by the fact that he can get up and get all up in their grill yeah. a little bit, you know. Yep. And when you get up underneath those guys and they don't, can't feel as comfortable dribbling the ball, I think that that's when they when they you really frustrated. see them get a lot more uncomfortable.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think that he's. I think they're going to be able to do that. We yeah. didn't get a good look at Bolton. He was efficient in the time that he was out there, but he just didn't get to play very much. Had
1: cramps. So. Yep. Um. And then obviously Tyrese, man, Tyrese is going to be a special player.
0: Yeah, and with Tyrese, it's like we all knew Tyrese was really good.
1: Yep. He was the best player on the floor last night, and it wasn't even close. Like, all the NBA hype he's gotten, especially over the offseason, it looked confirmed with how he played. And again, it was Mississippi Valley State. Yes. You know? But even among Iowa State's other players, you can tell he's head and shoulders better than basically the rest of the roster.
0: And you can just see that he sees the game in a different way From everybody else, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't remember, man, I think it was, yeah, I can't, I I, I remember at some point talking to him and, or watching something that he had done and from the way he passed, he just had that like Lonzo ball look of him. I think we even talked about that on the podcast at some point. Yeah. And you know, the first time I ever watched, I watched Lonzo ball play in the summer league Mm -hmm. in, uh, in Las Vegas. And the way that he could see the floor and the way he would throw the ball ahead and when he the way he could be looking one way and throw the ball cross-court to a guy that's open where his defender has turned his head, Mm. he's able to see everybody on the floor. And Mm. and that's a very unique thing. It It, is. And it's one thing to be able to see it and it's another thing to be able to even do anything about it. He's really good at that. There was the one play that he made last night where uh, he was facing, his back was to the basket. There's a guy out here at the three-point line and there's a guy driving down the lane he's looking this way and he like made a motion with his left hand like he's going to throw it that way and then like touch past it
1: the opposite direction To the opposite
0: direction i think for a, either a dunk or a layup mm-hmm. and it, that was the point where i was like yeah <laughs> okay like yeah. this if this is the kind of thing that he's going to be out here doing then yeah we're not gonna we better enjoy this while we can exactly is that special
1: yeah and I, I do love the fact that you bring up Lonzo Ball because I think as we see, you know, we get close to the mock draft, you know, stage of the of the season, there's going to be a lot of people compare him to a, maybe a poor man's Lonzo Ball. Like he won't go number two overall to the Lakers or anything like that.
0: No, that's what I was going to say. He's not going to go number two
1: overall. No, probably, but. but he has that amazing passing ability. Obviously, he can knock down a three-pointer if he's open. Um, so, I mean, he he's, has the potential to be a lottery pick, I say, if he, if he continues his great play.
0: Yeah, and if he can play like this in the Big 12, then he will be a lottery pick type guy. Yep. The only thing that's different between him and Lonzo as a college player was that Lonzo could... He hunted his shot a lot more.
1: Yes. You know, and I he, mean, I, he was
0: very clearly like a, a guy that you saw and he could get 20 and 12. Yeah. You know,
1: I feel like Lonzo has a better ability to create his own shot than Tyrese does at this stage in his career. Yeah. Like, at least off the dribble. Um. But I mean, Tyrese just has that unprecedented ability to find guys when he's driving the lane. And... I mean, he's going to get
0: some triple doubles this year. Yeah. And obviously he has five triple doubles in school history. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets multiple in one season, just with his, if he can really rebound. Yeah. I mean, if he would have played the whole game last night, he would have had one.
2: Yeah. And he damn near mean,
0: would have had a quadruple, quadruple double. double. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he was, like I said, he was head and shoulders, the best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, but that's no surprise because we expected him to be, he should be, yep. you know, based on what we've seen from him in the past. Yep. I think the other thing that I, I walked away from is that I think Michael Jacobson could be in for a very good year. I yeah. mean, I think that he, we know Michael Jacobs is good, you know, and he has exceeded all of our expectations already for what we thought he was going to be when he transferred from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But he legitimately could be an all big 12 type guy.
1: I think. What was your assessment of him playing on the court at the same time with Solomon Young? <sighs> I just feel like it can, get, it can get,
0: I'm scared that it could get a little bit bunchy, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, but I think that there's pluses to it. It's just the, the fact of the matter is too that Mike's not going to shoot 60% from three yeah, every night. If he was, you know, which is not possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess it's possible, but <laughs> it's not realistic. Yeah. Uh, th- that'd be one thing. But yeah. on those nights when he's not hitting, I mean, I, just, I feel like you're going to end up with, with two guys that their best place that they can help the team is standing right around the
2: hoop. Yeah.
1: And I, I still question uh, how he will be on the defensive end of things, especially when you get to Big 12 play, and he's right. maybe guarding a guy who's who's got the length, but he's also got the quickness, because obviously Mississippi Valley State did not have a guy like that. No. For him to guard.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's really when you saw him drop off as far as shooting the ball last year was when he did have the guys with the length and the athleticism that were guarding him out on the perimeter. uh, But I think, it, and that's, I mean, that's no different than what we were concerned about going into the season. Mm-hmm. You know, how are they going to be able to guard people? Yeah. And you hope that he can at least be good enough with someone on the, uh, playing the four, Yep. you know? And I mean, if you're going against Kansas, I, I feel like he can guard D'Souza, or he could guard McCormick, or mm-hmm. he can guard Azabuke. you feel fine there. Yep. But my concern is if when you're playing against a team that can go small, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I had somebody tweet at me and tell me, I, I, I've said that I think two weeks ago before Big 12 Media Day, uh, that that was one of my big concerns. And I, I think that there are teams that are better than what we realize that can do that you know, mm. that, that they can exploit that kind of matchup and go with four guards. Yep. And not to the extent like what Iowa State has been able to do in the past, but I do think there are some teams that will try and exploit what Iowa State's going to do. Yeah. Where you're going to have those two guys out there on the floor.
1: And on on the positive side of things, I do think uh, from what we saw out of Zion Griffin last night, I think he'll be a serviceable small four if they need yeah. to be. Yeah, I think that
0: he was definitely, he looked more comfortable mm-hmm. than he ever did last year. He looked as advertised
1: yeah. from what Coach
0: Prom has been talking about.
1: You can tell he, had, he was a little bit um, quicker and noticeably smoother than he was playing last year with probably right. a little bit of an injury.
0: Right. And I just think that this team is going to be so much different because there's no – like Tyrese is a is a dude, you know? Like we all know Tyrese is a dude. But there's, there's just a bunch of like really – I think there's just a bunch of good players, mm. you know? And hopefully those bunch of good players can come together to be a really good team. Yeah. And whereas, you know, you think back to that team two years ago, you had Lindell, Nick Babb, Cam Lard, Solo. (sighs) Donovan Jackson. And Donovan Jackson. And man, it dropped off quick. Yep. From there, you know, where you had some, you had a handful of guys who were good. And then you had a bunch of guys who were just not good. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the difference between this team and that team will be where I think most everybody is solid at least, you know, there's nobody that you look at and it's like, man, I That guy's a liability. Well, yeah. It's like, I don't know about them throwing him out there. Yeah. You know, there's nobody like that on offense or defense. I think at this point,
1: I mean, we might as well continue on there and maybe just go into like Caleb grill, Trey Jackson, two, two freshmen who got their first taste of playing time.
0: Yeah. Trey Jackson. I mean, I, we knew the kid could shoot. Yep. And, I mean, he proved that last night, knocked down three three three-pointers. Yep. Uh, Started a little slow. I think the first shot he took went over the hoop. (laughs) Uh, Something like that. Yeah. But he, you know, he looked comfortable as as the game went on. Yep. They're going to need him to be a guy who can come in and shoot the ball. Caleb Grills' shot is smooth. Yep. He'll be able to do some stuff for him. I I feel like those two guys will probably be the end of the rotation. Mm -hmm. They aren't going to play 20 minutes. Maybe sometimes they will.
1: Mm. But if they it, catch fire or something, yeah, it's
0: like if they can come in and give you a couple minutes every game, then I think you got to feel good about it. And you don't, and you know, you throw them out there and it's, they're not, it's again, it's, they're not a liability. Yep. You're not feeling like they're not going to know what they're doing or they're going to go out there and just start jacking. Or even if they do start jacking, you know, you feel confident they can make some shots. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're left open, they can knock it down. Teams are going to have to account for them. And I think that that's a, that's a good thing where this roster is going to have a bunch of dudes that you have to account for them every time on that they step on the court. There's not a guy that it's like, okay, we don't have to guard him. Yeah. You know, or we can just kind of leave him and let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody out here is capable. Yep. That's where I kind of walked away from.
1: Agreed. Okay. And again, like if you have a bunch of guys on the roster who are serviceable at worst um, and you have an elite Player like Halliburton, who can elevate everyone else, then that's a recipe for winning some games. I'm I'm going to say that I don't think their talent level, as we've seen, I don't think it's as good as it was last year. No, I I think that's pretty fair to say. But I think with the brand of ball that they can play this year, they can still knock off a few good teams.
0: Yeah, and I think that if the they're not going to have the ceiling that they had offensively, Mm -hmm. just because they had so much talent last year. But I think that the floor is going to be higher because Mm. they're going to share the ball a lot better, at least from what we see, Mm. uh, have seen. And I think that they're going to just the ball movement will be more consistent. Yep, It won't be near as much stick in the hands and dribbling around. And I think they're going to be more locked in defensively. Yep. Because I I think that guys like Prentice Nixon know that's his role. Yeah. I think that. Uh, Solomon knows that's his role, you know, yeah. is to kind of be the floor general back there, be the guy that's directing traffic in the middle of the lane. Yep. George Condit, that's what his, he's going to know that his role, I got to protect the line, I got to protect the rim, you mm-hmm. know, and there's not going to be a bunch of guys that are just flying around out there, not really probably, probably knowing what they're supposed to be doing, but half the time not doing it. And I think that that's going to make it where there's going to be some nights where they might not be. Great offensively. They'll be okay. Mm. And the defense will save them. You yep. know, they'll play more games. I think that are in that end in the fifties and sixties than last year's team did.
1: Yep. Definitely. But Hey, I State say basketball is back, baby.
0: I would say basketball is back. I think you got to feel, you know, relatively good.
1: Yeah. I, coming I'm coming out of Saturday. I coming out of last night. Yeah. I, I think for a lot of people after hearing the performances that happened in the secret scrimmages, uh, people had their concerns and rightfully so. But uh, the, the way they played last night left some optimism.
0: And the fact of the matter is, too, there's going to be nights where this team just doesn't shoot the ball well. Yep. You know, I, I think that that's just a fact. Yep. And, and I asked Coach Prohm in the, in the press conference after the game, and I don't, maybe I didn't word the question very well. It was the last question of the press conference. So, it, you know, we were pretty deep into it. But I think having a guy like Tyrese who his default setting is to pass the ball. Mm -hmm. He's the best player on the team, but his default setting is to pass the ball. And he is so locked in to that style of play where last year, I think you could at times see where he'd get frustrated by that. And he would be the one that would almost like snap people back into where we need to be. It's like, Oh, this is the way we need to play. Mm -hmm. Like Tyrese was the engine a little bit. And I mean, he's, he's the engine of this team, but I think that when you have the engine is your best player is your leader is the guy that everybody looks up to and it's like, Oh, I want to be like that guy. Mm -hmm. Then everybody else is going to conform to his style of play. And it will just, you will see more of these guys playing the way he plays than you did last year,
1: not playing the way they play. It's like, it's almost like a, to a a much different degree, but at the same time, the same, uh, the way George Niang kind of made uh, the engine go of those teams. Obviously just from, from a guard position as opposed to a post and probably not as good of talent around him. But I think, you know, everyone followed George, did what he did, played around him. It's kind of the same with Tyrese.
0: I think that you could have said the same about Monte, you Mm -hmm. know, where when those two guys were on the floor, you didn't see very often where it was like somebody was just going rogue, you know, I'm going Rover, you know, in Jackie Moon style, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're going to get the ball and it's like, oh, it's my turn, you know? like you never saw that really i guess maybe you did a little bit that monte senior year early in that season but once they really locked in that team moved the ball really well everybody knew what they were supposed to do and they all did it to the best that they possibly could and that team i think by the end of the season was about as good as it could have been yep you know and i think that this team you'll i think you'll see that more i think it might even come a little quicker. They don't have the ceiling because they don't have the talent that that team did. And mm-hmm. they don't have the experience. Yep. But they're going to have uh I think they're going to be where when it gets to be late January, February, and March, they're playing their best brand of basketball whether that means that they're in the NCAA tournament or not. We don't know. Yeah. But I think that they're going to give themselves a chance because I think they'll be playing their best basketball at the end of the season. Yeah,
1: And it's encouraging because I don't think there's any one guy on this roster who you are worried won't share the ball. Like the ball will stick with them. I don't think there's a guy like that on this roster.
0: No. And that was one thing that last year, it's like, uh, there's only one ball thing, you (laughs) know? And this year it's like, there's only one ball, but there's nobody that you look at (laughs) and it's like, man, that guy's really good. We need to get him a shot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like their shots will come. If you play the right way, your shot will come. Yep. And and I think that that'll be, uh, what just the kind of definition of, of this year's team is. All right. What else do we have? Obviously a big football game on Saturday,
2: the old
1: Oklahoma game, the old
0: Oklahoma game. How do you feel as of, uh, as of hump day Um, going into the, into the game
1: as of hump day? I mean, I, I think it'll be competitive. I think, uh, it's not going to be a blowout either way, obviously. Um, I do think Oklahoma will probably end up winning the game. Um, I mean, again, they're coming off a loss against Kansas State. They had a bye week as well. Um, I know Iowa State did too. But, man, their quarterback is just so good. And their defense has improved, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that – I think the defense, there's a formula now. How do you get those guys back into what they were? You Mm. know, punch them in the mouth a little bit. Mm. Give them the Kansas State treatment – Pull the old vampire
1: out on them. Yeah. And uh, and uh
0: you is, saw them revert to a lot of things that they had done previously, I thought.
1: Yeah. And, and again, like the nice thing is that we've kind of seen from both the Texas and Kansas State games that the formula to, you know, push them a little bit is to make their quarterback throw. Uh-huh. As right. To a if you can triangle. make
0: Jalen Hurts throw the ball a bunch of times, then I think you'll... Someone called me from Davenport.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure that that's a... Not a spam caller.
0: Yeah, I was just saying say, I'm sure that's a legitimate call. Uh, but I think if you can make Jalen Hurts be a thrower, then you're going to... I think you're going to be in a good position, you know? And I know C.D. Lamb is obviously... I mean, he'll be the best player on the field. Yep. And yet, I feel like if you make him stand back there in the pocket and throw the football, that's a win. Mm-hmm. You don't let him
1: do what he does. Yep. It'll be great to get Greg Eisworth back in the middle of that defense, too. I mean, I th- I think they've been okay uh, w- with him out, but at the same time, he's just such a an impact player too. Yeah, and I, I I just I don't see it. I can't see it being a blowout. Iowa State
0: hasn't been blown out, you know, no. and I think they're gonna be able to move the ball. They're gonna have to commit to the run. Yeah, they're gonna have to. I mean, I, Brees Hall needs to get twenty five carries at least in it, this football game.
1: It could very well end up being the kind of the kind of game where if Iowa State. Wins the turnover battle by one, then they they win the game. Whereas if they if they have the same I or or more turnovers, then it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I just don't see the same. Like Oklahoma's offense doesn't have that same fear-inducing guy. CD Lamb is scary. Yeah, but he's got to get somebody's got to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, every time he took the snap. You're scared. It's like, this dude's going to do something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baker Mayfield was scary. And he, he had so many different guys that he could spread the ball around to. Yep. Those guys, that those offenses, every time that they got the football, you sat there and said, well, they're going to go score. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like the idea of them not going and scoring was almost foreign. Mm-hmm. You know, think back to like that army game where they had the ball for what? Like 10 minutes of the entire game scored every time yep and it was like it, that that's what those teams were i don't feel that with this team it, it doesn't feel the same way where when you watch them they get the ball and you're like well <laughs> you know gotta keep up yeah it, it's gonna be a track meet i i don't think it's like that I, I, their offense is obviously is obviously very good they've got a lot of really good players but it's just not the same where it's like man if if we let them score we have to go score. Like mm-hmm. you, I feel like you can get a stop on them and and come back and, and then put yourself in another position to go and try and even the game or whatever. Yeah,
1: I'd agree with that. And I think it kind of does boil down to, you know, if Jalen Hurts goes out and is a superhero out right. there, then that's when their offense does look as good as it used to. But when he's, you know, just, just very good, which is obviously still very good, it's not as good as it used to be.
0: Well, and you, you think about these teams that they've played, you know, the Texas... I think we've seen at this point Texas's defense is bad.
2: Yeah, like especially their the secondary.
0: Especially their secondary, and that's obviously there's a lot of variables into that. They have a ton of injuries and stuff. Uh, you know, Houston, like that's a bad team. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, you look at a lot of the teams that they've played so far. Texas Tech, mm. that defense is not that good. You know,
1: and I mean, who is the best defense they have played all year? Kansas, Kansas State, State. and they and I mean, they went and
0: beat them. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying. I don't know and I think that this is why they were ninth in the in the college football playoff poll when it came out Mm -hmm. was because you look at their resume the first team that I'd sit there and really say yeah that's a tough team they lost to them Mm -hmm. Texas right now doesn't scare me their offense is still tough obviously they still have Sam Ellinger that defense is bad like they're bad bad yeah it's almost like Oklahoma was last year and the year before but without the Heisman Trophy winner.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of said that in our our piece last week with the, the rest of the season prediction. Like, I the, the feeling for me with the Texas and the Kansas State games have completely flipped. Like, I feel way more confident about the Texas game in Jack Trice than I do going on the road at mm-hmm. Kansas State now.
0: Yeah. And I I'm not going to pick them to win this weekend. But man, I could see it. Yeah, you know,
1: I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's ten times as more probable than the one in last time we were in Norman. Exactly, and, and they ended up winning that game.
0: And for you to go in there as you know two point two touchdown underdogs or whatever, I look at that and I'm like, man, they haven't lost a game at two touchdowns in how long?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's what it's been two plus two, years. Two now. years, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'll believe that when I see it. And they played two good Oklahoma teams in the in that time. Right, they only lost by. Man, they they, they only only lost by ten by, or they something like that. They last lost year, by didn't they? 10,
0: three years ago.
1: Did they? Yeah, that's right. So they've like yep. they've
0: got they got a good formula for going up against this team, mm-hmm. and I feel good. Like I said, I'm not going to pick them to win, but I think that Iowa State's going to have an opportunity to go and win the game in the fourth quarter.
1: Agreed. I'm, I'm there with you.
0: If Brock Purdy wants to show that he is what we think he is, that he is this guy who. Could eventually be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Be the best quarterback in college football. This would be a good time to break out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this gonna, is this is t- this is me at the big stage.
1: On one hand, you can look at Oklahoma and be like, "Well, they're going to come in laser focused because they just lost Kansas State." I mean, you could say the same for Brock Purdy and Iowa State. Realistically, like they, the with the way that he ended that game against Oklahoma State, throwing three interceptions, he's going to come in laser focused as well.
0: Yeah, and I I wrote that after that game that. If there's any, there's nobody on the team, I have any doubts can be ready less than, or isn't, I don't know how the best Brock <laughs> Purdy's going to be ready to play. Yeah. If we know anything about Brock Purdy, that kid has been sitting and stewing over what happened in that game
1: for two weeks. He's probably been watching nonstop game film.
2: I can guarantee for he's game.
0: chomping at the bit to get out there on the field. Yep. And he knows, and hopefully that doesn't mean that he's putting too much pressure on himself or anything like that. But I, I feel really good going into this game, that Iowa State is going to have an opportunity to win the game. And the thing for Oklahoma, too, the last two teams, you know, when you, when they lost, it was early enough in the season. You know, two years ago, it was obviously against Iowa State. Last year, it was against Texas in the, in the shootout. And you had a lot of games left to be able to correct, course correct, win the Big 12, and then still go to the college football playoff. Do you feel like right now Oklahoma's going to be able to go to the college football playoff based on where they were ranked this week? Mm,
1: no. Neither do I. There's way too many other good teams that are still in contention.
0: The only games that they have left that are of really good quality are against Iowa State and Baylor mm-hmm. at this point. Yep. You know. And even Baylor, what were they ranked?
1: It, it was in the, in the 10 to 15 range, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: So by no means is anybody sitting around jacking them up Mm -mm. you know Oklahoma even if they won out I don't think they'd make the college football playoff yeah right now from just based on what we saw last night
1: Uh, yeah they they need help yeah
0: and I mean at this point I got no reason to believe that Ohio State's going to give them any help that team ain't getting beat nope those guys are real good I don't I don't
1: foresee Clemson getting beat
0: don't yeah, I don't foresee Clemson getting beat, which there's no they're, surprise. They're fifth, aren't they?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, technically, they're not even the, not even in the top four right now.
0: Yeah, but the fact of the matter is, too, the number two and number three team play each other this weekend and the number one and number four teams play each other next weekend. Yeah. So, they'll be in the top four probably next week. Yeah. I mean, I think right now the, the top four is is Ohio State, Alabama. I, I think that the, they have them ranked correctly, yeah. but it's – it, it's, it will shuffle.
1: It,
2: because Ohio of State, play.
0: LSU, Alabama, and and Clemson. If I had to guess right now, will probably end up being the, being the four. Yep. I don't see a way that Clemson, if they're going, if they go it, there's no way they're going to leave them out of the playoff. Yep. But, uh, I I just think that Oklahoma's not. They've got a very very steep uphill climb, and they got to hope that some other teams lose, that somebody beats somebody besides Alabama or LSU you know they beat each other or whatever like somebody else can sneak up or somebody somehow can beat Clemson or somebody somehow can beat Ohio State which I still think that Ohio State might get in anyway yep and so you don't know like right now it it might not have that same there might not be that same carrot out there that's true and obviously they're not sitting around thinking like man we're ninth in the college football playoff ball they probably don't they don't give a damn
2: yeah
1: but still they could also be thinking that hey we got to put up some style points now going forward yeah
0: that's true but I I I think that Iowa State has an opportunity this week to go and make a statement in this game absolutely I I wonder who the last team to win back-to-back games in Norman Oklahoma is Uh,
1: that's a great question you can't really say Texas because I mean they always played the Cotton Bowl so yeah so that would be a interesting thing to to research. Going to be a doubleheader for for basketball and uh, football on Saturday, correct?
0: It will be a doubleheader at Whiskey River in Ankeny. The Iowa State men's basketball team on the road in Corvallis, Oregon taking on the Oregon State Beavers Mm -hmm. uh, in a 3.30 p.m. tip. A game will be on Pac-12 Network. They will have it on the TVs at Whiskey River in Ankeny. And then the football game uh, shortly after on Fox, 7 p.m. kick.
1: Primetime. time. Prime time. By far the best game of the week. With the great Gus Johnson on the call. Oh, I, I'm uh, so I, excited. I think. I. I yeah, have, some people don't like Gus Johnson, but I love Gus Johnson.
0: Man, if you don't love Gus, jo- Gus Johnson, then you can turn this damn podcast off right now. I will now. say
1: I, I much prefer Gus Johnson in college basketball games, though. Like the, with the when he Back when he did a few of those NCAA tournament games, man, those were the best. Yeah,
0: I've read some interviews with him where that's like his... The thing that he misses more than anything else yeah, is doing the NCAA tournament.
1: Rise and fire.
0: No. What? Man, they're not on the call. Oh, this is BS. You
1: got, you got my hopes up for every. For oh, I no,
0: dude, I was thinking that it, they were. Who is it? Joe Davis, Brock Hewitt, and Bruce Feldman, the B team. Boo. Joe so, Davis, the voice of, uh, I'm pretty sure he's the voice of Madden Oh, twenty. Is he? I think so.
1: i Nice.
0: No, it's Charles Davis. He's the color guy. Sorry, it's
1: man. <laughs>
0: different guy. Different
1: Davis. Getting everyone's hopes uh, up multiple times. He he does NFL games, which
0: I guess would, I guess would make sense. But <laughs> um, no, I, I I think at the end of the day, like it it's gonna be a, a good Saturday. It know? will. And everybody should come out and hang out at uh, Whiskey River in Ankeny to watch a game. One last reminder as well. You can use promo code Sooner Slayer on teamcloset.com slash Cyclone Fanatic and get a Kyle Kempt Cyclone Legends t-shirt for $17. Why $17? Well, Kyle Kempt wore number 17. That's, so that's some pretty, great.
1: Pretty easy to understand. That's some marketing genius right there. Well done.
0: You know, who else is a marketing genius is Tyrese Halbert, <laughs> but <laughs> that's we, right. He was a, uh, he's unpaid t- marketing genius. Yes. Wearing his Cyclones versus the world shirt
1: on the, that was just ha- happenstance. Yeah. Yeah. He walked out on the floor and I was like, Hey, nice shirt, man. (laughs) Does he like, does he ever realize where it comes from? Oh yeah. Yeah. He he
0: does. Yeah. We've talked about it before. Nice. Yeah. He did pay for the shirt. Okay. (laughs) Before anybody out there wants to sit and wow. Chris Williams giving out impermissible benefits. No Tyrese Halberton did pay for his shirt. Just like he asked me where he could buy
1: one uh, when they came out and and I told him. Uh dude, so. you know what was funny though? Like did you see that that uh I was Iowa's 247 reporter like I questioned whether or not uh Patrick McCaffrey started like the Iowa versus the world thing and whether Iowa like Iowa State stole it? Did you see that? No? Yeah, that was an actual thing. Like he tweeted it and it, it, he followed it up by saying it was an actual question and not trying to like, you know, be funny about it or anything. When did that get started? I've never heard it, that before. It, it was it was either last night or this morning and you should look it up because then a lot of Iowa fans were like oh
0: yeah it was Patrick McCaffrey's well thing. no when did that like get when did he when Patrick McCaffrey start
1: that I've never heard that uh, before. apparently it was something he did with it, maybe his AAU team or something like that I didn't read that closely
0: yeah we're sitting around at Cyclone Fanatic reading Patrick McCaffrey quotes <laughs> looking for our inspiration for our t-shirts I yeah. promise you
2: mm-hmm.
1: we, that, that's, that's the go-to source right there Patrick McCaffrey
0: shocker <laughs> that that would be something that would be said
2: mm-hmm.
0: now at first they own the color black and now they own the versus the world so, saying
1: well they also own the gator chomp i don't know if you were aware of that
0: of course yeah obviously well i mean what else they own everything else <laughs> at this point they might as well own that they probably own the world, the word "the" too. That's why they wouldn't grant Ohio State there. Yep, the people just their
1: copyright denied it. We're like, trademark. oh, sorry, that's Iowa's. Gosh, what a joke!
0: All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, I think that's everything on the list, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back on stands and fits on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to Stands and Fits on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, presented by the Professional MBA Program at the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. No hot not this week. We are recording this on Wednesday, November 6th, 2019, also known as the 150th birthday of the great sport of college football.
1: Happy birthday. Don't do that, please. I only did, I only did it one time.
0: We've, I think we've talked a lot about the 150th birthday of college football, um, but we decided we're going to do something different than hot not this week. Five things that we love about college football Yep. Uh, on this historic day. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to read things about the beginning of college football because it was nothing like football. It was actually, I think there was 25 men, men to a side.
2: Jeepers. More, I didn't know it, that. It was
0: more like soccer. Wow. There is no sport that started as one thing and turned into something completely different more than co- like that evolved like that than college football.
2: Yeah. Amen. If you,
0: if anybody is like really wants to dive down a rabbit hole, get, get on the athletic and read Matt Brown's series of pieces that he did over the summer. And then he, the thing that can get you there is he wrote, he created a, uh, an all time team mm-hmm. for the athletic with, uh, he, did first and second teams all time. But I mean, he went all the way back to like the 1880s and wrote about football in those times and the best players and the innovations of the times and stuff.
1: That's so long ago. And it's kind of crazy to think about too, because like when you think about the NFL and when the NFL started, that seems like so long ago and it seems like such a different game, but then you realize college football has essentially been around more than twice as long as the NFL. Well,
0: it's literally been around 50 years longer than the NFL. Yeah. I mean, think what anniversary they're celebrating the NFL this year. Yep. <laughs> Literally 50 more years. Mm-hmm. So not twice as long.
1: Oh, sorry. Half as long. I don't math.
0: One and a half times as long.
1: Yep. But yeah. College football.
0: Not math guys, not number guys here. Uh, yep. No, But no, college football. Uh, it, it's been really fun to see a lot of the, I've been, I eat up these documentaries. That's just like right up my alley. Uh, and Jeff and I talked about that mm-hmm. on Monday but we did our five things that we love about college football. Not really anything in particular. It's just, just,
1: you know, whatever the, came to mind.
0: Yeah. It could be players could be whatever.
1: Yeah. You know? Do you want to start with your number five? and We kind of go up yeah. the list.
0: Uh, so my number five and you know, whatever, I don't care what people say about me, but <laughs> um, it was, uh, getting to watch Ndamukong Sue in his college career you know, in person for most of the time, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of players, and it's almost like he's an encapsulation of like of an, an idea. Uh, those kinds of players that every time that the ball is snapped, your eyes instantly go to them, yeah, because you know that they are capable of doing something absolutely ridiculous on any given play. Yeah, you know, if you, if you don't remember how good Dominican sue was, cue up the highlight, his highlights from the two thousand nine Big Twelve Championship game. The mm-hmm. dude was insane, insane. And uh, he was, should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. He was the best player in college football as a defensive tackle and was affected the game more than any defensive player I have ever seen. And that's what, and guys like him, uh, Tim Tebow, um, the people that transcend the sport a little bit Mm -hmm. where, like I said, that they are, you, you watch them on every play as much as you are watching what
1: else is happening. Yeah. The thing that was always amazing about Sue was that even when you're just watching like a, the play, like the develop, you can always tell exactly who Sue is not not even just because knowing where the defensive tackle lines up, but just because he moved so much differently than everyone else around him. Well,
0: and he was always there. Yeah. He was always around the football. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter where the ball was. The ball could be 20 yards downfield. Number 93 is going to be in there. Yeah. You know, and I remember the game. I remember a game where, they were playing Baylor. And I think it was maybe Robert Griffin's freshman year. And, or no, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think that might be right. And they double, tried to double team him in every, on every play. Mm-hmm. And Jared Crick, who was his running mate, his running mate at, at defensive tackle, uh, ended up with like five sacks in this game. Because he literally had to go one-on-one the entire game. And never had any attention paid to him. It was all the attention was paid to number 93. Yeah. And that was the kind of player that he was. That he elevated the game of everybody else on the defense because you had to pay so much attention to making sure that he did not beat you mm-hmm. that everybody else could just run free, more or less. Yep. And, I mean, that defense, I've told you in Slack, you know, we when you were talking about the 2009 Iowa State or Iowa State-Nebraska game, uh, that defense that year... Allowed more than 20 points one time. They, uh, I think, lost three of their, I think they had four losses, and three of them were by a combined, like, five points. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, he was just unreal to watch. And it it was, those are the kind of guys that's like, I love college football because every once in a while you get a player like that that just makes you stop and say, whoa, Yeah. Reggie Bush, Vince Young, those kinds of guys.
1: Yeah. You know, thinking from an Iowa State perspective, how incredible is it that, you know, the one year that Sue was such a transcendent player, Iowa State ended up beating Nebraska? That's just kind of crazy looking back. Yeah. And I mean, Iowa State scored seven
0: points or or nine Nine points points.
1: on the back of eight turnovers. Eight turnovers, you know. That was one of the, again, that's another game that kind of just kind of, you know, it envelops the way that college football is. Like it can just be so unpredictable. And that's what makes it so fun.
0: Well, and it's, it just, it's a, an encapsulation of how, and we can, we're going to kind of get to this later, but and I've been preaching this to you guys. That Nebraska team, if they had had an offense with any level of a pulse, I mean, any level of a pulse, they would have, I think they could have won the national championship. That defense was that good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you saw it in that game against Texas where they played, they lost 13 to 12. Should have won the game. Whole other different story. The Big 12 loves Texas. It's never... It's been the same for 10 years. Yeah. It's been the same for 20 years plus, whatever it's been. And the... In that game, that defense control... He controlled that game so much that it basically lost Colt McCoy, the Heisman. You Mm -hmm. know? Like, what he was able to do in that game was so insane... That he basically, he almost won the game for the team as a defensive tackle, won the conference championship for them and they scored 12 points. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And like, that's what you just see people like that. When you see people like that, that pop up the honey badger, someone like him that when he, when he was playing well and, uh, your eyes just were glued to the honey badger, what's he going to do next? Mm. You know? And, uh, man, I'm trying to think of other examples Uh, Reggie Bush, like I said, was one that, that came to mind. Dennis Dixon, like that year when he was really cooking, uh, would have won the Heisman trophy if he hadn't torn his, torn his ACL Uh, there. I mean, there's obviously tons more examples, but those are all the guys that really come to my mind, uh, Mm -hmm. right now.
1: That's a good one. Good one to start us out with. All right. My number five, uh, my number five is the nobodies who kind of come out of nowhere. And this is kind of like the fun thing. Um, you know, when I was trying to think of my five, I was telling Jared before we came on. A lot of the things that came to mind specifically were differences between college football and the NFL. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more cases in college football where someone who is like basically unknown to anyone outside of their own team or fan base comes out of nowhere and, you know, performs. So, you know, case in point, Kyle Kempt, no one who knew who Kyle Kempt was, came out of nowhere, knocked off Oklahoma on the road in Norman, you know. I was literally just going to say, perfect time to mention
0: if you use promo code Slayer <laughs> at teamcloset.com slash CycloneFanatic.
2: Yeah.
1: The,
0: you'll get
1: a <laughs> Cyclone Legends shirt for $17. There you go, perfect. So anyways, like, yeah, and just another, thinking another, of another Cyclone example, Jared Barnett, going yeah. out of nowhere, beat Oklahoma State 2011. So, I mean, you know, stuff like that doesn't happen in the NFL, and it happens, you know, way more often in college football.
0: Yeah, just those, un- the unlikely hero. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeff Woody, Jeff Woody. Yeah, exactly. People that become synonymous for some with something, Mm -hmm. you know, Jeff Woody will always, you know, it's like we talked about this on Monday to any college football fan in the country person who like really follows it close. If you say the name, Jeff Woody, they know exactly what Jeff Woody is known for. Yep. They know what Kyle Kempt would be known for. Mm -hmm. And there's every fan base has that guy you know, that just did something crazy. Mm -hmm. Chris Davis. Like most people, you say the name Chris Davis that really loves college football and you instantly think of the kick six. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Chris Davis was a good player. You know, he probably played in the NFL. I don't know for sure. Yep. But that's what I'm saying. I don't know what Chris Davis did. But I know that Chris Davis caught the 62-yard field goal against Alabama and took it 109 yards for a touchdown and took him to the national championship game. Yep. And those are just the kinds of things that like those names that's it's like, you never expect it to be this guy or this guy or this guy. And then all of a sudden it is. And then they are, then they forever become synonymous with something that is so important to so many people. Yep. That's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, uh, Puddles, the duck, the best mascot in college athletics before anybody says, "Sai," <laughs> if you listen to this podcast and don't know that I hate Sai, then I don't know where you've been. Whoa. Whoa. whoa.
1: Wait, wait, wait! Cy and I have a long time beef,
0: long time, I, long I, running I,
1: I, beef. I don't think I was aware of this unless I've completely just oh, forgotten about it. Oh, yeah,
0: this is, a, this is I'm not getting into this. It's a long running, <laughs> okay, long, long running rivalry. I didn't, I didn't and know. Way that you back hated to my Cy. days
1: on the women's basketball beat. I, I, I love Sai, but I will say that I totally agree with your assessment that Puddles the Duck is the best college, college football mascot.
0: And that's just—it's like part of the character of college football mm. that that they have these people in these costumes that becomes iconic symbols mm-hmm. for the state, for the university. And if you show someone a picture of that guy of, of that character, it's like, Oh, you know, <laughs> that's Oregon. Yep. Or you show them a picture of the orange. So, like, Oh, that's Syracuse or the mountaineer. Yeah. Or the mountaineer or the tree, mm. That the tree, you show them the tree. No one should know what that is, but it's a Stanford tree. Yep. You know, and like, that's something that is just, it, the character of college football it's, it's just one of those things that like you can't find that in any other sport you show most people a mascot from major league baseball
2: mm-hmm.
0: or from even the nfl unless they're if the name is not on there you know like a lot of times people are gonna be like i mean i don't know like show somebody casey wolf and nobody knows who casey wolf is like what he is if you he doesn't have any of his insignia on him it's just like that's a wolf yeah. He could be for anybody. Well, he's the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. But like these, these mascots become so synonymous with the school. Yeah. And the character that they play.
1: And you know, now that you bring up mascots, it kind of takes me back to last week when we were talking about video games, mascot mode. Oh yeah. The mascot mode was the greatest. Dude. When you, I mean, especially when Oregon was good, like Puddles Duck, those seen a bunch of those guys out there running around. That Dude, it didn't matter
0: how good the team was.
1: Dude. Yeah. I mean, they were all 99s. Oh, I don't remember that part.
0: Yeah, literally all of them
1: were See, not. I, and then like, they'd
0: be doing the flips and stuff.
1: I, I feel like I feel like in some of the other versions though, I, feel I think like maybe
0: originally that's how it was. It yeah. Was like and that's team. what I remember. Yeah. It
1: was just the team with the the mascots instead of the players. Yeah. Man, that's so But anyways.
0: Yeah, mascot <laughs> matchup. <laughs> that was fun. I
1: love it. All right. My number four, uh, shout out to the marching bands out there. Um I my sister's in the marching band at Iowa State. Um part of what makes the marching band good, um, outside of the you know, the halftime shows and whatnot. Is The fact that you know they play music during the games, and I feel like that that um part of what makes the college football environment so great is it the marching band music in the background, mm-hmm. like that. When you hear marching band, it just takes you to Jack Tri Stadium, you know, when when you know they're playing uh Go Cyclones or the fight yeah. song.
0: Another thing, NCAA football like makes it you know, yes. like every
1: fight song, exactly. Like yeah. they're like you know, playing, e- I I just thinking back, I had the um. March Madness game, and it's yeah. like I, I I get I have Kansas's memorized, I have Dukes memorized just because they play over and over because they're good teams.
0: Michigan is the one that I do do yeah. do 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 do. Rocky do. Top yeah. is is yeah.
1: instantly recognizable. Yeah, just stuff like that.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I gotta ask though, I was wondering about this during one of the games. Is yeah, I would say Marching Band trying too hard to like go viral again now.
1: <laughs> um yeah because what was it they broke out like sharks earlier yeah, they this did. year i think they did baby shark um you know i i think that they might have gotten a little bit of fame to their heads yeah i haven't asked my sister about this directly
0: i'm uh, not i'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything but that's just <laughs> something i was sitting there wondering i was like i mean what like we did this one time with the the t-rexes and yeah. it was cool and now it's like
1: why are we doing this still
2: <laughs>
1: i i do think that they, they probably let that go to their head a little bit but at the same time like you always see like. As for example, the Ohio State marching band, you know, they're widely known as the best band in the land. Um, and you always see their their whole routine kind of posted online because it's always really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's their thing. But maybe the Iowa State fans is trying to make the costumes their thing. You know, that's fair. I, I'm not saying I'm like I said, I I don't really care. You mm-hmm. know, if they want to keep trying
0: to go viral, that's fine. But yeah. I just was just sitting there thinking like, man, it seems like ever since that
1: one time, they've like busted out the costumes way more than they ever had before. It kind of makes you wonder, I mean, because at this time last year, Baby Shark was basically like, it wasn't near as well known as it is now. They played
0: Baby Shark at uh, at, at Hilton last night.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And every, everyone did the, the, yeah. the shark yeah. chomp. So, anywho. Yeah. And then that song was stuck in my head the rest
0: of the night. <laughs> um, all right. My number three, no two teams are the same, which is obvious, mm-hmm. but... When you watch the NFL, for the most part, every team runs the same system. They run the same place. They have the same kind of players for the most part outside of like the really good ones. Yep. You know, obviously the Baltimore Ravens play different than the Miami Dolphins. Yep. Partially because that's one is a real professional football team and one (laughs) is like borderline on one on that. But when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson, you play different. Yep. When you have a guy like Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, you play different. But for the most part, it's like a copycat league. Everybody plays the same. In college football, there's so many different distinct styles. Obviously, there are very, uh, There's very specific yep. schemes or, or systems. The spread offenses and the air raid and you know the option or whatever. But everybody has their own spin on it, and I think that that's really cool. That's just like there's it. You can't. You are not not going to sit down and watch every college football game and think like, man, this is going to be the same things that I watch every other team run. Yep. I'm
1: seeing other schools do things that are different than somebody else. And, you know, to add to that, the great part about having so many of these other schemes that vary in quality, I mean, as far as, you know, the way they look on the field is that any, any one of them can, you know, beat another. There's not like one dominant system in college football. if, If you run a particular system, well, then you can win games no matter what it is.
0: Yeah, if you run the option and it's like, and you run the option so well, it doesn't matter. It, it almost equalizes what the talent is. Mm-hmm. You saw that with Texas Tech with the Air Raid. They ran the Air Raid so well that it could equalize the mm-hmm. talent. Uh, when Army goes in and plays these teams with these five-star recruits and they nearly win.
2: Yep.
1: You know, you sit there and you're like,
0: the <laughs> option's pretty cool. Yeah. You know?
1: But at the same time. But it's like, because
0: they do it so well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean. If, if Iowa State all of a sudden today tried to run the triple option, then they wouldn't be near as good as yeah, the Army is.
0: exactly. And it's just, it, everybody is so unique as far as the way that they, the coaches are unique. Like, the, the philosophies are unique. There's nothing that is copycat. I mean, there's there are things that you're copying other people, but it's like, you're, even the NFL now, they're copying college football. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, they, it's like all these offensive innovators. <laughs> it's been in college football forever. Well, yeah. Like, what are we seeing them innovate? Like, they're doing the same things that, yeah, that they've been doing in
1: college football for a long time. Yep. But of course, all the NFL fans and, and pundits are like, oh my gosh,
0: this is so new. <laughs> I feel like in the NFL, as much as anything, like when coaches are, are looking at stuff through the week, they're scheming more to personnel than yeah. they are to what the other team does. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not sitting there thinking, man, they do this thing so well. Like, how are we going to stop this? It's like, no, how are we going to stop Odell Beckham?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How are we going to stop Tyreek Hill? How are we going to stop Lamar Jackson? Yep. You know, It is not about like,
1: man, they were a great, they were a great four, two, five on defense. Right.
0: Or it's like you, you Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Oh my gosh. How are we still going to stop this option? Mm -hmm. Well, no, they're not going to run the option anymore. Well, I guess maybe they would. They got RG three as their backup, but (laughs) the, that's just, it's like, that's, what's different about the NFL. It's like, Mm -hmm. if somebody got hurt, it's like, okay, well, we're going to revert back to doing what everybody else does. Like what the chiefs have done you know, Pat Mahomes gets hurt. All right. Well now we're going to run the cookie cutter offense. Yeah, that's right. still can't, still can beat the Vikings. So, (laughs) uh,
1: don't remind me. All right. Uh, my number three, great overtime format. Mm -hmm. Another thing I much prefer about college football to the NFL, just the way that they, they give both teams a fair shot. I mean, it, it, even if you get the ball first, I mean, you know what you got to do on, on, on offense the next time. So, or excuse me, you know what, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah.
0: I can't wait to see a marquee game go to the new format. Yeah. Where after you get past, what is it, three, mm-hmm. that you have to, that you just run two point conversion plays <laughs> over and over again.
2: Yeah.
1: That's going to be phenomenal. Isn't it kind of crazy that we haven't seen that, like from a high level game, really that yet? Well, that's a, like it,
0: it happens so rarely.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: like how many games ever go to four overtimes?
1: I mean, it seems like there's at least one or two every year, but we haven't seen it yet this year.
0: I think there's been one, not like a big game. Mm-hmm. but I mean obviously everybody remembers a seven overtime LSU Texas A&M game yep from last year but it'll happen watch the yep. national championship game end up being in like in seven overtimes that'd be awesome my thing is it's like man, two yards three yards or whatever it is we'll be here be here all night <laughs> going back and forth running plays but hey I'd be here I'd be so there for it dude I feel like they should like line the teams up on the field that would be awesome. Like, what do you mean by that? Like on, because if you're only going to run plays from the two, like, what's it matter? You know, have everybody just line up. It's like across the field and they're all like around this, this two yards, this massive humanity. Oh, so you're like, saying like, yeah. a, like,
1: a, like a circle yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Ah. Uh, make it re- real, like dance battle. It's like hell in the cell. <laughs> yeah, kind exactly. Of. Yeah.
0: Dance battle. <laughs> it's like a, it's like the drum line. Yeah. It's yes. like a drum line. Yeah. Nick,
1: Nick Cannon, man. Shout out Nick right. Cannon.
0: You definitely listen to this podcast. Great movie. Uh, my number two. No two places are the same. Uh, you know, no two stadiums are the same. No two fan bases are the same. Everything is. It's again. It goes back to the uniqueness. Yeah. Everybody's culture is
1: their own. And it goes beyond the stadiums too, because a lot of times campuses are involved.
0: Right. Well, and it, and it doesn't even matter where you are in the state of Iowa. Uh, the game day experience at, in Iowa City is completely different than the game day experience in Ames. Yep. The game day and experience in Ames is completely different than the game day experience in Manhattan, Kansas. The game day experience in Manhattan, Kansas is completely different than the one in Lawrence. Yep. The one in Lawrence is completely different than the one in Columbia, Missouri. And it just, everybody has their own thing.
2: Mm.
0: And it's like, they're all like cults. You know, what we do is better than what you, the way you do it. And it's a cult of like believing in something. Mm-hmm. And we believe in the thing that we love and we hate you because you believe in the thing that you love. Yep. And that's just again, it's like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like there's the emotion of it and the investment that the people that have nothing to really do with it except for they go and get drunk and eat and yell, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And how important it is to everybody. And uh like when the Vikings lost on Sunday, I was like, well. Okay, it's <laughs> time to start the week. Uh, you know, like, I think that's how it is for a lot of people that are fans of, like, those professional teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, whatever. But, like, when Iowa State loses, it's like, man, I'm going to sit and think about this for the next week. Yeah. What is? What do they got to do?
1: It's, I mean, my, my wife knows my, my mood for the rest of the day is influenced by whether or not Iowa State wins a game.
0: Right. And that's just, uh, it's cool. There's not much else like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm with you there,
0: and it's not corporatized, like it's not, uh, like sterilized. Mm. It's all it's pure, yeah, and it's all you. It's just like all natural, mm-hmm. the way that it's all come together.
2: Yep. All
1: right, my number two storied rivalries. Um Obviously, the big ones. You got the Michigan State versus Ohio, or excuse me, Michigan versus Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, Iowa, Iowa State. You know, stuff like that. Just having those on the on the schedule every year gives you something else to look forward to. And it
0: goes back to that same thing. Just I hate I hate you. Yeah. Because our teams have had <laughs> some sort of difference, mm-hmm. you know, where for 365 days, if you beat me, it will bother me. Yep. You know, no matter what anybody says.
2: Yeah, I, Except, I'm
1: bothered by losing
0: to Iowa. Right. I'm bothered by losing to Iowa, and I no matter what any Iowa fan says, they're bothered by losing to Iowa State. Yep. You know. And that's just it. It's like, no matter what happens, like this one is important. Everybody knows that this one's important. Yep. And again, it's like, there's, it's not like that in any other, really any other
1: sport. Yeah. I mean, you got like, again, we're both Vikings fans. You take the Vikings, Packers, Vikings, Bears. Yeah. The rivalries, but at the same time, for every reason, I don't, I don't look forward to the, to the Packers games every year, near as much as I do to the Iowa, Iowa state game. Mm -hmm. So it's just different.
0: Well, and even that it's like, a lot of Packer fans live in Wisconsin, and a lot of Vikings fans live in Minnesota, and like they kind of just do their own thing. Yeah, you know, here, like we, your the Iowa fan you don't like is your next door neighbor. Yep. In Alabama, the Auburn fan that the Alabama fan hates is his next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Texas, you know, the Longhorn that a Texas A&M fan hates is his, you know, is the guy he sits next to at work, and. Though, like that's it's it's also intermixed with each other you mm-hmm. know and then a lot of rivalries too are like obviously built on like respect and stuff like that like Nebraska Oklahoma and yep uh just built on being really good for a really long time and like every every time they played each other it meant something yep and I mean at least for most of the time uh you know Notre Dame USC like things like that that is like every time when they played each other it was a big game because they were both good mm-hmm. and like it's just a respect factor of like, this is an important game and we both know it's important.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah. And then uh, my last one, uh, the games that leave us in disbelief or the, in like the moments that leave us in disbelief, the mm-hmm. things like Kyle Kemp's down Lazard to beat Oklahoma, mm-hmm. the kick six, uh, the um, Jeff Woody. T- yeah. Jeff Woody Tua to, to win the national championship. Yep. Vince Young to win the national championship. The things that you sit there and it's like, man, I'm going to remember where I was when I watched this. Yep. And like, that's the, that's the, like one of the, another one of the beauties of the sport that they're, it's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. You, you never know what can happen. It's, it's predictable, but to a point too, it's not. And, and it just, it, it makes it, uh, it goes back to what you said. There's like the parody yeah. is, is not there. Oh, you, okay. Sorry. <laughs>
1: no, it's fine. But, I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of, um, you know, pair that your point with also like when you are actually there um, watching the game live and in person and a moment like that happens. Like if you were at the 2011 Oklahoma State game, you also got to rush the field. Yeah. That doesn't happen right. in the NFL. And it's just like, you know, outbursts of passion like that is exclusive to college football.
0: Yeah, it obviously happens in basketball too, but there's so yep. many more games and stuff. Yep. Like it. this is just in college football, it's 12 Saturdays mm-hmm. out of the year. And if if you're lucky, you get seven of those to go and sit in the stadium that is yours. Yep. And you hope that you get those moments,
1: those things that are going to be remembered forever. That's right. And speaking of that, yeah, you kind of spoiled a little bit, but my last one is... uh, much more parity than the NFL. I mean... Wouldn't any, it
0: be a, a lack of parity?
1: Or lack of parity, whatever you want much to say. Much less parity. Yeah, so, you know, in, on any given Saturday, uh, a team from Appalachian State can go out and beat Michigan. A team from Iowa State can go out and beat Nebraska in, in 2009. You know, it's just like crazy things happen. Illinois can beat Wisconsin like they did earlier this year. Just, and Kansas State can beat Oklahoma this year. Even stuff like that. It's like, there's just so many things that can happen. And on that note, crazy things will happen this
0: weekend when a couple of underrated underdogs come out with W's and Fitzy and I moved to three and seven on the season. Hopefully
1: two and seven actually, or yeah, well, I said moved to three and seven, yeah, moved to
0: three and seven. You're right. We dropped, uh, each dropped our seventh game Yeah, last week, SMU losing 54, 48 to Memphis. And I was, I had a good read on that one. I thought, yeah, it was
1: creepy because, again, the line was plus six and yeah. they lost by six. Yeah. Vegas, man.
0: And I, I have a good read for those lines, at least, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then yours was a
1: complete and colossal failure, <laughs> as I could have predicted. Unfortunately, intern Brandon did not make an appearance on today's show because the Jayhawks lost by a lot.
0: My pick this week, Minnesota at home, plus six and a half, riding with life again. He's he's all in on rowing the boat is he uh against the penn state nittany lions this has
1: really been a the life podcast yeah so you are you're not concerned about penn state exposing minnesota at all i guess we're gonna find out
0: would it be that different than any of the other games that i've
1: picked this year no it would not in mine, to close things out i'm going with tcu knocking off undefeated baylor there we go
0: let's hope so that'd be nice
2: yep
1: uh
0: thanks to everybody for listening We will talk to you guys again next week. Hopefully, we'll see you at Whiskey River in Ankeny on Saturday. Happy birthday, college football. Beat the Sooners. Peace.